Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. The eyes of the world, the eyes of the populations of the world are on you and we have your numbers. That lingering central fleas remains and we'll see what comes next. We need to make sure that what sits there on a piece of paper is actually going to turn into tangible, actionable projects on the ground that are going to make a difference to people's lives. You're listening to Bloomberg Westminster, your daily guide to British politics. I'm Ewan Potts. And good afternoon, I'm Caroline Hepger. Now on today's programme, we'll be joined by the Conservative MP for Dudley South, Mike Wood, and political scientist Professor Vernon Bogdanov. Well, Boris Johnson appears to have survived the pork pie plot and Prime Minister's questions yesterday. He faced inevitable grilling from Labour leader Keir Starmer, but perhaps more surprisingly, a bluntly worded call to quit from fellow Brexit supporter and former Cabinet Minister David Davis. I expect my leaders to shoulder the responsibility for the actions they take. Yesterday, he did the opposite of that. So I'll remind him of a quotation altogether too familiar to him, of Leo Amory to Neville Chamberlain. You have sat there too long for all the good you have done. In the name of God, go. But the shock defection of Red Wall MP Christian Wakeford of Bury South to Labour gave MPs another target to focus their anger on and seemingly ended up uniting the party. Well, meanwhile, Connor Burns, a minister and long-term ally of Johnson, says that colleagues are now choosing to wait for the report into lockdown parties. ITV reports that they have the email sent by a senior official to advocate for cancelling the Downing Street party on the 20th of May, which is under investigation by Sue Gray. Well, the Prime Minister may have won some favour by announcing the lifting of Covid restrictions, but with inflation soaring to 5.4% in the year to December and a massive jump in energy bills due in April, concerns over the cost of living are sure to remain near the top of the agenda. Well, joining us now to discuss the day's issues, uh, Mike Wood, Conservative MP for Dudley South. Mike, thanks so much uh, for joining us on Bloomberg Westminster. Now, Prime Minister's questions, Boris Johnson... Uh, seem to survive and seem to have got some some spark back. Uh, it's slightly odd that uh, a defection to Labour uh, feels like it might have played in some ways into Boris Johnson's uh, hands. Well, I think the Prime Minister was on very good form yesterday. I, I mean, I think the leader of the opposition uh, performed well and I think he made it a very good uh, PMQs. But yes, you're right. He's, uh, it was certainly more of what I remember of the old Boris, that bit more oomph and uh, uh, zing about his performance, um, and it was certainly received very well, I think, amongst Conservative MPs. OK, so that was the performance. What about the reality within the Conservative Parliamentary Party? Surely there must be enormous anger with the Prime Minister. Well, I think I think there's anger more broadly about what, what had happened at Downing Street. Now, obviously, some of that uh, the Prime Minister's responsible for, uh, directly for, but I think the general... Uh, the general view is that most MPs do want to see what Sue Gray uh, concludes to try and get the full information before deciding what the next step is, if any any action is appropriate, or whether it's something we need to uh, 
uh, build back from. Have you put a letter into the 1922 committee asking for a no-confidence vote in I Boris Johnson? I haven't, as I've said. I, I, I think it's far better to... If you're going to have a independent investigation, it's far better to actually see what the conclusions of that investigation are before you decide uh, your own sentence. I mean, I um, think um, the, the trial is always better coming before rather than after the sentencing. Mm, fair, fair enough. And what would it take from that report to, to, for, for you to do that? Well, I, I, I think... If uh, the report finds, uh, you know, de- deliberate misleading either of Parliament or of the investigation, you know, uh, clear and deliberate uh, breaches of the uh, rules on the part of the Prime Minister, personally, I think that would change the the, the situ- situation fundamentally compared to if, you know, if, if it decides mm. that it was really a, a few members of staff having a bottle of wine after work. Okay, but it's surely going to come down to some pretty fine details and just how far one can stretch the excuses. Because, for example, uh, ITV reporting that Sue Gray has found the email from a senior official that was uh, sent reportedly to Dominic Cummings when he was um, aide and also to the Prime Minister. I mean, it's going to come down to the nuts and bolts about whether the Prime Minister saw that email or not. Absolutely. And, and that's and going that's to obfuscate the kind of the big point, yeah. I know, that's a very clear point. Even within my uh, my parliamentary office, you know, I receive about 300 emails a day from various sources. The idea that I'm going through all of those, I mean, that's really what I'm employing other people to do, and I expect people to obviously bring the important ones uh, to my attention rather more directly, and it's whether or not that. Uh, that happened. But, I mean, it, it would obviously be rather futile for us to you know, speculate on the basis of hypotheticals now, when we're probably only a few days away from this report actually being published, and then we'll have something rather more firm to make a decision on the basis of. On the defection, beyond the uh, immediate boost to Prime Minister's questions and that rallying round uh, the PM, do you think it says something rather worrying about the uh, the tide of British politics? You remember in the 90s when there were so many defections from the Conservatives to Labour uh, ahead of that landslide uh, Labour victory. Doesn't it say something uh, rather worrying for the Conservatives that somebody thinks they're better off sitting on the other side and, and winning their election uh, for Labour? I mean, I think Christian's been in a slightly difficult place for a few months. I think only part of that has been um, political. Um, so, I mean, I wouldn't want to talk too much about, obviously, what's been going on behind the, uh, the scenes. I'm not picking up, the, you know, the, the, these reports that are talking about other MPs having conversations about, uh, about following him. I'm really not picking that up a, at all. Um, as you said, if anything, it's brought party together, uh, including those who, mm. whether it's because of uh, newspaper reports, whether it's because of uh, COVID restrictions, who've been rather either angry, grumpy, frustrated about mm. some of what's been happening in in recent months, and just brought a lot more of them back on side. Remembering, we've got mm. a, some really important challenges to face and a lot of important yeah. work to do on delivering the uh, the manifesto and the, those promises that Christian and I were both elected to deliver on just over two years ago.
Okay, so there are reports that um, as many as five more Conservative MPs could defect. As you say, though, this could be a a big distraction. I mean, Number 10 is talking about uh, fighting on even if there is a vote of no confidence. Should that happen? And there's a long road before that, perhaps. We don't know. Um, I mean, this basically leaves the Conservative Prime Minister deeply wounded, deeply weakened. And that's going to be months and years of sort of uncertainty for the rest of the country. That's very destructive. Well, I, I think it would be far more disruptive if we did have uh, a change in Prime Minister now, because obviously if the Prime Minister, if, if the Prime Minister was to resign this afternoon, then we don't just get a new Prime Minister magically appear tomorrow. It will be probably three or four months of a leadership contest, and I think even people who are very angry now and demanding uh, a change in uh, change in Prime Minister would very quickly think it was a rather self-indulgent of us at a time when we're coming out of obviously the pandemic businesses need to grow we've got the issues around cost of living rather self-indulgent if say the chancellor the foreign secretary the education secretary and goodness knows who else seem to be spending more time uh, looking at their own leadership uh, campaigns than on very important jobs they've got to, they've got to do uh, running the country and helping us recover from this pandemic Mike, I want to get your thoughts on the uh, decision to scrap the Plan B restrictions. Uh, Health Secretary Savage Javid has uh, been uh, saying that we need to learn to live with the coronavirus. Just take a listen to this. Sadly, people die of flu as well. In a bad flu year, you can sadly lose about 20,000 lives. But we don't shut down our entire country and put in place lots of restrictions to deal with it. We need to continue with our lives with sensible, appropriate and proportionate measures. The government's now talking about no isolation period at all for people who test positive for COVID. Are you comfortable with that? Uh, well, I, I think as you know, as the data develops, if, uh, if if the risk becomes low enough to allow for that, then yes, I think that that does make uh, more sense. In that it, it is still sensible obviously, for people not to go into work if they've got an infectious disease. You wouldn't want people in the office, but we also don't have criminal penalties if people have other infectious diseases like, say, flu and pneumonia, which can also be very dangerous, particularly with the same vulnerable parts of the community who are most vulnerable to uh, coronavirus. Mm. But is the message being muddied here? I mean, the World Health Organization has warned against rolling back COVID restrictions too soon. And we've been told time and time again by medics not to confuse COVID with flu. It's just not the same disease, much more serious. Was plan B in retrospect a mistake? If you look at it from the other perspective, lost hospitality, city centre businesses and so on. I mean, that's the other flip side of the coin. Well, I think, I mean, for a start, I think there, there's pretty much no restrictions in Plan B that directly affected most of the hospitality sector. Other, you know, other than nightclubs, actually, hospitality was excluded but from almost cancelled all. Cancelled their Christmas party, even though they were told not to. Uh, but I think that's less to do with Plan B, and more when the news is reporting large rises in uh, infections every evening. You know, people do take personal responsibility. And frankly, we want people to take personal responsibility and go where they feel safe. And just briefly, what do you want to be to be done on uh, energy bills? Uh, they're going to rocket this April. That's going to be a problem for millions of people. Yes, I met with the Chancellor last, uh, last week to talk about this and the support we might be able to put in place. And you're right. I mean, wholesale energy bills have increased, I think, it's about tenfold across the country. That's 
between 15 and 20 billion pounds. Clearly, the, you know, the taxpayer can't be covering all of that. Getting rid of VAT on fuels is going to make almost no difference to most of the people who are hardest hit. And so the decision you've got, uh, the Treasury's got to make is whether it wants a small amount of support very broadly spread mm. so almost everybody gets a little bit, or whether we need to focus that support mm. on those people who are only just getting by at the moment. I think that's a better way of doing it. So, more than seven weeks on from the first revelations of lockdown rule-breaking parties at Downing Street, plummeting opinion poll ratings for the Conservatives have led to rumour and speculation over the future of the Prime Minister. Let's take a step back now from Westminster gossip and get the thoughts of Vernon Bogdanot, who is constitutional expert and professor of politics at King's College London. Vernon, thank you so much for being with us. The Conservative Party is famously efficient in dispatching underperforming leaders but even for them just 24 months after a landslide election victory this is pretty quick isn't it absolutely but of course the issue of the parties could not have been foreseen and it's possible that it had a very deep effect on british voters and if the conservatives came to believe that it would cost them votes then MPs will get together and remove the Prime Minister. It's happened before, famously in 1990, when Margaret Thatcher, who'd won three election victories, two with landslides, was defenestrated by her own party. That was that was a long time coming, though, wasn't it? And Margaret Thatcher had been in power for uh, 11 years, and, and many of her MPs were pretty sick of her perhaps mps are sick of boris johnson now but this is this is certainly coming a lot a lot, a lot more quickly is he getting like football yes well it's had a deep emotive effect on many people because of course the vast majority of people observed the rules of a lockdown some who didn't were fined for breaking the rules and there is obviously great concern that these rules did not seem to apply in downing street there's a particularly emotive factor about two parties held on the eve of the Duke of Edinburgh's funeral, which many think would have been indecent, even if there hadn't been any COVID rules. And so uh, MPs are having to think very carefully about what all this means. Yes, although Mike Wood, Conservative MP, who spoke to us just a few moments ago, said, you know, a new Tory party leader is not just going to emerge from thin air, it takes time. So there's that concern. Also, there is the Sue Gray investigation. I'm curious as to your view on this. Sue Gray um, it is, um, it is, is a civil servant, not known really outside of Westminster. She's now being uh, given this huge responsibility to come up with a view on whether the Prime Minister lied about uh, the parties, who knew what when. What sort of precedent is there for this? Well, I think there's a lot of misunderstanding about Sue Gray's role. She mm. is, as you say, a civil servant. Her job is to lay out the facts of what has happened. It's not to make judgments about the Prime Minister or, for that matter, officials. And remember, mm. she is herself an official. She's second permanent secretary at the Cabinet Office. Her boss is Simon Case, the Cabinet Secretary, who, it is alleged, actually attended one of these parties. It's not for an elected civil servant to say that a prime minister must resign. Her job is to lay out the facts 
so that MPs can make decisions for themselves and the Prime Minister is accountable not to her, but to members of Parliament. But in but this is going to end up being a political issue. Can can the report avoid essentially giving people the understanding about whether the Prime Minister lied or not? And also, as as you say, she is a civil servant and must remain impartial, obviously. But she's under enormous pressure now in terms of the exact wording and exactly what is uh, even put into the public domain from this report. Well, her job, as I say, is to lay out the facts. Now, the facts may be interpreted differently by different people. That is not her responsibility. The key factor in determining the fate of the Prime Minister won't be Sue Gray's report. It'll be the attitudes of the public as expressed to Conservative members of Parliament. They will have to make up their mind based on public opinion, just as in the case of Margaret Thatcher that I mentioned a few minutes ago Mm. uh, in in 1990, MPs made up their mind on the basis of public opinion. The public thought Margaret Thatcher had been there too long, and that greatly influenced members of Parliament. And also there was the unpopularity of a local government tax, the so-called poll tax, the council charge. That also influenced people. Now, on this occasion, it's the people, the public, who will decide. So many of the Conservative MPs we've spoken to on on Bloomberg Westminster have said that wait for the report. We're just going to wait to see what Sue Gray has to say. Do you think that is uh, really just uh, sort of uh, an excuse? Do you think that they will form their own judgment? Yes, I think it is an excuse. They will form their own judgment. They will take their time. They go back to their constituencies this weekend and they will see what the public thinks. If this proves an ephemeral issue. If it simply dies away, MPs probably won't take any action. But if, as I suspect, it has very deep roots amongst the public who feel there's one law for us and another for those in Downing Street, then MPs might well take action. Are there constitutional questions or ramifications with this crisis in government? Well, the, the, the rules are very clear. I, I don't think there's any problem with them. There's uh, a vote of confidence if 54 MPs call for one. <clears throat> if the Prime Minister loses it, he cannot stand in a leadership contest. Though it's fair to say even if he wins, his position may not be secure. In December 2018, Theresa May won such a vote of confidence fairly convincingly. But by June of the next year, she'd gone So um, once a prime minister's position is under threat, it's very difficult to recover. Now, if the prime minister does resign, there's a procedure for electing a new leader of the Conservative Party who would be prime minister. That takes some time because the two candidates who come atop of the various ballots for the leadership then have to appeal to the members. The members of the Conservative Party vote on which of the two they want, and that takes two or three months. Uh, could take a great deal of time as the uh, candidates put their position forward. The only way in which you could have a rapid change of prime minister would be if there's only one candidate, but I suspect mm. that is unlikely. You said it'll be hard for Boris Johnson to, to recover. I just wonder if, if you could give us your hunch on, on just uh, how long the prime minister is likely to survive. Well, it's impossible to know because... I'm not sufficiently in touch with public opinion. We academics, uh, as you interviewers often 
and Ply live in ivory towers <laughs> away from the public. And um, I, I'm just not close enough to public opinion to know how deeply this is felt. I think the key factor is, uh, as I've said uh, on a number of occasions, the attitude of the public. Mm. And I think if you uh, ask the public, you'll get a much better appreciation of how long the Prime Minister is likely to survive than you would asking me, frankly. Okay, so watch the polling. Uh, Professor, thank you so much for your time. It's always great to have your expert views on this. That is Vernon Bogdanot, who's a constitutional expert, also Professor of Politics at King's College London. Mm, All about the court of public opinion, never mind the uh, constitutional niceties. Uh, Fascinating to get the uh, thoughts there of Vernon Bogdanot. Okay, well, let's round off the programme with the latest from Westminster with Bloomberg's James Walcock. Uh, James, uh, thanks so much for joining us today. Now, this... uh, Robert Pestanemo, just talk us through the uh, significance of this uh, scoop from our friend at ITV. Our friend at ITV, it's very much like the other place. Um, (laughs) Thank you for having me. So he has a scoop. He's got a scoop from someone in the administration who has seen parts of the report or has heard something from the report saying that Sugre has a copy of an email that was sent to the Prime Minister saying this might be, you know, this party might be a terrible idea. Um... Or words to that effect. And that, it, in some ways it changes nothing, and in some ways it changes everything. And by which, like, I'm going to break that down. In terms of the changes everything, the one sort of missing thing has been this sort of smoking gun, where Johnson says up until now, nobody warned me. He said that just Tuesday. And the idea there is that he didn't know this was a breach of the rules. Um, it was a sort of reworking of his previous defence, in which sort of it didn't break the rules, it's now no one told me it broke the rules at the time, and I wasn't aware. The problem with the way I say it changes nothing is in many ways pe- the general public and Tory MPs already thought that he probably knew. I mean, Keir Starmer's constant attack on sort of the Prime Minister was there's no way you couldn't have known if you walked out there. Um, and the other way it changes nothing is I don't think, um, my, my reading of sort of him talking to MPs about it is that I don't think it changes how they think about sort of the PM's case. Um, there was a great quote in the FT, and that, that I'm going to repeat just because I think it's that good, where um, an MP told one of their reporters, even a serial killer has their day in court. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, I read that one this morning. <laughs> and I mean, that, the point they're saying is until the report comes out, they're not going to make a judgment either way. So even yeah, if there is a leak okay. that comes out of it, early i don't think they're going to prejudge that yeah okay we asked this question also to the mp that we spoke to earlier the defection issue mm. um there are rumors there are reports that perhaps that there are as many as five other conservative mps that would defect i mean that would be sort of incredible really i mean just the fact that there was one the first in 15 years to move across the aisle was was so significant yesterday i mean the the defection is massively significant. I don't think we can understate how yesterday was very much a mixed day for the PM. It will definitely go down as people say. Like if there is an end coming, and it's it's still too early to say that. I think that would go down as one of the sort of markers on that point. But I mean, there's a very difference between conversations about defecting sure. and defecting. But I think what it does point to is that there are a lot of these red wall MPs who are consideratory MPs who are considering can they win another election as a Conservative if polling is as bad and if Boris Johnson is bringing down their popularity. Bloomberg Westminster. Listen weekdays at noon on DAB Digital Radio in London.
Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.